What a beautiful song. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this, this beautiful day, an hour now where we can come and study your word and worship you. This, today I'm talking about staying on your course, Lord, which is the best for our lives. We just pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I open that my prayer, as many of you do, with my Heavenly Father. It's a privilege to be able to say that, that he is our, our God and our Father, and we could say that, and I'll just remember that, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. This week I had the privilege of spending some time with Dean. We went to San Francisco, kind of the westerly side, Geary Street, where the Kaiser Hospital is. And as you know, they torn down freeways in San Francisco, and it's a lot of city streets now. So when it was done, it was late. Streets were packed. It was about, I don't know, 4, four o'clock, I think. So I got on my phone, and I said, take me to Dean's house. And most of us have these assistants on our phones or uh, computers. And she goes, okay, it comes up, I think, 63 miles, and you're going to get there in 67 minutes, and we're on our way. And I trust the assistants to the point. In San Francisco, we trust them not to take us up a one-way street and things like that. So in the end, she goes, you've reached your destination. So we went city streets, and then they got like four ramps to the Bay Bridge, as you know, all packed, of course, to 80, to the Bay Bridge, to 580, to 24, and then 680 South. And it took the exact same minutes that she predicted. I don't know, even know how those things work. It was amazing. In, in some ways, our walk with the Lord has some similarities. He leads and directs our lives, and we should trust him fully. We, by prayers and following his word in the Holy Spirit, that's how we're led, and we're supposed to follow his directions and instructions to the T. The similarity is we know the exact destination where he's taking us, which is heaven with our Lord and Savior for eternity. But unlike that phone lady, we don't know the date and time that that's going to be. It could be today, it could be right now, or it could be in years. We just don't know. But we have to live today and every day like it's going to happen, it, like it's imminent. And the signs are there, we know that. So that's the way we want to live. Proverbs 16.9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Isn't that true? We have plans for a vacation with the family in a month. There's nobody else that could establish our course except for the Lord. He made the universe. He knows our future and everything we have coming in our path. Some of our plans sometimes include wants, wishes, hopes, and goals. But that plan is only good if it aligns with the Lord's will and his plan for us. And he determines if that plan we have ever comes to fulfillment or not. 
we're on the, this course with the Lord. Our life is on a course to heaven. We're bombarded daily, though. Satan is a foe out there. And we're bombarded daily. And we'll, we hear, listen to this. Look at this. Eat this. Look over here. Go there. No, go there. It's easy to get distracted and get drawn off course. And when we go off course, the Lord does whatever is needed to get us back on course and get us back on the right path. And we know someday that course is going to end when we go to heaven. He's coming back and he will take us to our longed for destination, heaven and eternity with him. When the kids were growing up, I was usually the driver. I'd be going somewhere, a trip or something. And I would say, I'm taking a shortcut. Only to hear all three women in unison. No, Dad, no shortcut. Because <laughs> once or maybe one time out of 100, my shortcut might have, might have backfired and done the opposite. But with the Lord, when we're on his path, there's no shortcuts to heaven. There's no easy way. We know it's a tough road. We know it's a narrow gate. So we should not try to take shortcuts. We know there's going to be trials and tribulations. The cruises aren't here today, but we know there are. Just take a look at the uh, four-page uh, prayer list in size five font. There's prayers, plenty of prayers. So we're on this course, right? And think about it. When you're on a road, you can go forward, you can go back, you can stay still, or you can go to the left, or you can go to the right. So five points I'm going to hit, and they're all backed in uh, Scripture. Here's Deuteronomy 12, 32, my first point. See that you do all I command you. Don't add to it or take away from it. We know Scripture story about people that try to modify the Lord's plans and pay the price. We're not to add to it. We're, to, we're supposed to do it just as he says, not subtract from it. Why do we want to change his plans all the time? It's that thing we have. It's called pride. And we want to control things. People like to control. But he has the control, not us. We want to do things our, our way. We should do it his way exactly. He knows us. He knows exactly what's coming ahead. We don't. He's experienced this. He's not talking... He is God, yes, but he came down as a man and he experienced these things. He knows what we're going through. In 2 Peter, it says, God's word is completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it. Not only to do all he commands, but his word, Peter says, should be in our heart all day, every day. That's the way to stay on God's course. We trust that voice assistant to get us around. She could get us in trouble. How much more should we tr trust in the Lord for everything, every decision we make, every plan, um, with all of our heart and, and soul? What got me on this topic of staying on God's course, it's pretty easy to see when you live in the United States, is what is going on in our country. Many churches, our government, our education system, they're all straying off course. 
Morally, the world is circling the drain. False teaching is everywhere. We know it's false teaching, yet it's becoming the law of the land, which is tough to take. And we're told this, we know it's going to happen, because in 2 Peter 2.1, it says, but there were also... Sonia, you might have to reboot that. The verses aren't showing. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who, brought them, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. That is exactly what's happening. Churches are denying the sovereignty of the Lord and that is exactly what's going on now. And here's what I was talking about, about my prayer. And we, most of us do it, our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> one large church, huge church, one of their leaders said, he's questioning now the term our Father used in prayers. Because in our, the changes made with society, he says, it may no longer be appropriate. Who is this guy to say the word of God is not appropriate? It directly conflicts with Psalm 119, 160 that says, all your words are true, all your righteous laws are eternal. The whole Bible, all his words are all true. So when he says, if he says you can't say our father, he is going completely against scripture. As they do, and we're warned of this, even though they're in Revelation, it applies to the whole Bible because we believe the whole Bible is true and not to change any of it. But these three are from Revelation 21.5. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus, true and trustworthy. Another one, 22.18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, there's that add again, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. In verse 19, if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. They're not editing the text. The text is printed. We have, all of us have it. It's on our phone today or on the written word. They don't edit the words, but they teach a whole different gospel, which makes it false. That's totally against God's commands. They're putting their own spin on it to make it popular to the groups out there, to make it fit their lifestyle so nobody's offended. Well, that, we know the Lord, the Bible is going to offend many. It cuts like a double-edged sword. They have wandered far from the truth, and they're literally playing with fire. Again, here is the truth in John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, there's the Father again, except through me. So stay in the course, he is God our Father, and follow him and believe him. They're not preaching the word when they, when they have that new morality. 
My second point is we're commanded to preach the word in 2 Timothy 4.2. says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. That's what we do here at this church. Everybody up here goes right from the Bible at SRVBC. We don't mingle anything in with it. That's the best way, and it's to me, it makes the most sense. The Word of God is finished. They can't add to it. It doesn't say, <clears throat> Paul didn't say, preach the Word that exists in your era that has been revised to fit the customs of the day. No, that's not what he said. We don't want to please public opinion here. And here's that Word of God, Hebrews 4.12 It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is dividing. We love it here because it shows us the path of salvation and what the Savior has done for us. That Jenny sang about, and we had a beautiful breaking of bread about what the Lord has done done for us, for sacrificing his life, which paid for our sins. But others hate it. Well, naturally, they're going to hate it because what they're, what they're doing is wrong. And if they read the verses, they don't, it makes them dwell on what, how they're behaving so they don't want to hear it and they won't believe it. They can be softened, and once they accept it, they can gladly get saved. But as long as they don't accept it, they're not going not gonna to be believers. <clears throat> Another point. We're on the course with the Lord. Don't wander around. Keep your eye on the prize. <clears throat> Proverbs 4.27 said, Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. If we're going to go off the path, what, what's the first movement? It's not our arms. It's not our head. It's our feet. That's the one that's going to take us off the path. There's going to be temptation in front of us, behind us, left and right. That's the way Satan works. He wants to see these things we shouldn't see and do things we shouldn't do. And what can get us there is our feet. So we've got to stay on the path. As the verse says, keep the feet going on the Lord's course. We know we're we're prone to wander. I'll bet you everybody in here has wandered at some point. We sing it. We sing, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We're always going to have that urge to wander. We got to stay in the stay in the Word, and fight it off. Here's two. Two probably the most familiar wanderers in Scripture was Jonah, and the prodigal son. Both made horrible decisions, as we know. Both went way way astray, and the Lord rerouted them back. A very tough rerouting for both of them. It was a brutal experience. One was in a whale. One blew his whole fortune and came back very humbled to his family who accepted him again. His father did. But it was a tough experience. And when we have to get 
we go sin and we get turned back, it's always tough. It sets us back. Straying has serious consequences. But we all have from time to time that thing that pops us in our head that we want to do. Here's a, here's a saying. It says, it has widely been said that God waits until the, disa- the disaster of our choice has taught us the foolishness of that choice. We have a free will. Sometimes we go off and we do those things and we learn from that disaster and hopefully not repeat it again. On the other hand, look what the word says about King Josiah in 2 Kings 22.2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. What did he do right? He didn't turn one way or the other. We were blessed with a new vehicle this week, and Dean's car has the same thing, and a lot more technology than the old ones. It's on the dash right there. It's got these two white lines when you're going, you're driving along, and if you kind of veer, the steering wheel starts shaking to get your attention, and the line turns yellow. And if you veer too much, the line turns red, means you're out of bounds there. So it, it wants to keep, keep the vehicle on in the center of that lane. And Jeff has one with an even more advanced feature. If he lets go of the wheel, his truck will pull him back into the center of the lane. But I hope he just keeps his, his hands close. <laughs> I don't trust all of those things. I was crossing the street when I was waiting for Dean... And I walked down Clement for about a couple miles, and I'm crossing on the green arrow, and there's a car turning into me. And it's got this thing on the roof. And then I look in the car, and there was no driver. So he's waiting for me to cross. That's not much assurance there that you're safe. (laughs) Another point. Don't go ahead of the Lord. Again, using the Dean's navigation. When you're doing that, you see a map, especially in the, if you're coming up 580 in the afternoon, you know exactly this way, or 880. The whole, the whole lane is red. So you could, you could touch a screen and expand it and drag it down. You want to see where that traffic jam ends. You go, how, how long is this going to go on? You can drag it and drag it, drag it. And then, oh, okay, it's about five miles away. You're going ahead of where you are. That's not the way to stand the Lord's course. There's nothing that we can do to see the future. We go one step at a time at his pace. Like the word says, a lamp unto my feet. A lamp, you know, it goes five or six feet out. It keeps us from stumbling and it only shows you what's right in front of you. It's no beacon 50 miles away that shows you your end destination. I compare it to our LCD screens. We've all got these flat screens now. Go right up to it, very right next to it. It's just a series of little squares. You could be back here. You could be looking at Half Dome on that thing. Yet go up there and look at one little square, and you see that square, you have no idea that that's Half Dome if you back out. But the Lord is looking at our life through that whole screen. We could be here. He knows what's going to happen, how many more days we have. 
and what our final destination is going to be. We can't do that. I don't think I'd want to know that. It would be too much to handle if we knew everything that happened to us or, or your spouse or your kids. Too much to take. We want, it's one thing at a time. That's all we can handle. Here is the poster child for going ahead of the Lord's timing. Isaac was married. Let's see if I get this right. Isaac was married to Rebecca. She's eavesdropping, and she hears um, Isaac say to Esau, "Go." Esau was a hunter. Go out and get some game meat and so make me some of that hearty, hearty food. So, for some reason, Rebecca told Esau, "Your um, your dad told your brother to go make this stuff, and it gets into the birthright." So she, she devises a three-step conspiracy, kind of complicated, actually. So Isaac had told him to go out in the field and get something. So Rebecca said, no, go right here. We got goats. Sonny cooks goats. He knows all about them. So he makes the goat. She makes the goat stew. And they go in. And Rebecca borrows Esau's coat, which smells like him and puts on some animal wool on his arms to trick her husband. So, so far, so good. Um, so Jacob goes in with Isaac, and Jacob, he fully is committed to the conspiracy. He lies like three times, because even uh, Isaac's suspicious. How did you get the meat so fast? He said something like, well, the Lord blessed me. He gave it right here, which was a lie. And he goes, it's, the voice is uh, Jacob's, not Esau. So he's suspicious. But he puts his arm out, and his father feels it. Oh, but it's the arms of uh, Esau, but of the voice of Jacob. And so he conned his father into getting his brother's birthright. And he is now known as the deceiver. Sylvia mentions the deceiver when she talks about Jacob. So he went totally ahead of the Lord's plans. I mean, there was going to be a birthright given at some point, but it wasn't Jacob's or Rebecca's timing to go out and try to snatch it from your brother early. And when the Lord says, go, we're to go. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He knows there's going to be fear. He says, you're going to fear. Don't fear. I'm with you. I'm going to go with you. I am your God. So whenever we get these things we know is from the Lord by our our counsel and studies and reading the word and praying, he says, go right now. Just go, like he told Abraham and Joshua. They did what they were told to do. They didn't know what lied ahead, but they obeyed. And we got to be willing. Sometimes it might not be somewhere where we, we uh, don't want to go. But we, if he says go, go. And sometimes go, it's kind of tricky, can mean stay. If you're tempted to something over here and here, and we want to go there or go back, 
Sometimes his go might mean go and stay right where you are. So it's not necessarily movement. This came up in our Kingdom Man study Wednesday night. It was about, uh, part of it was, what excuses do we use when the Lord is telling us to do something? Do we do what he says? And one thing that, uh, I'm probably not alone in this, when you say to yourself, I'll think about it. The definition of I'll think about it is a way of saying no without disappointing the person you are talking to. How many times have you said, yeah, I'll think about it, and then that's it? But how many times did you think about it, and, but you already knew in your heart you were going to say no? But to please or try to get out of the bind you're in, you say, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. That was five points. We talked about all backed by Scripture, staying on the Lord's course, don't add or subtract, don't wander, go ahead, don't go to the left or right. But you have to be a believer. You have to be on the path or none of this will make sense. It doesn't make sense to have a non-believer come in and hear how to stay on the path if you're not on the path. The only way to get on the path is to get saved, to get on the course. So if anyone's not saved today, we have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then get on the path, which is the best course for your life, for any life, in every life. Should be, every person should be saved, and that's what he wants. He wants people to be on his path. If we're, there's only one path. Every other path goes the wrong way. You can't please Satan and please the Lord. Just like the word says, you can't please man and please the Lord. We have to please, our goal should be to please the Lord and stay on his path. That makes sense? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, this word. We just thank you, for, Lord, for your course that you made clear to us through your word. We pray for, uh, if there's anybody today who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the, just the day of, the, of uh, their salvation. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.